0: We are live. <laughs>
1: What's up, everybody? I'm back. <laughs> I'm sorry I took off. I had a couple gigs. Um, but we are back here, uh, Police Off the Cuff, After Hours. My name is Mark DeMayo. I'm your host. I'm here with my partner. Uh, in all things law enforcement, my co-host, the very handsome Bill Cannon. What's up, Bill
0: Cannon? I want to show everyone my new uh, banner there. Can you see it without my big head in the way? It that looks was, great. That was made by our producer, Josh. You did a hell of a job, right? We we hated to lose the handcuffs of the police off the cuff, but
1: I think this. is... Yeah, listen, we it's it's we're we're evolving. I have a banner too, and I was gonna put it up, but uh, it's, too bi- it's too big. It's too big. I think I might have to get a new apartment <laughs> to fit. Yeah, my yeah we, we
0: gotta make it big in the podcast world, so you can move out of the Bronx.
1: <laughs> okay, so listen, I'm so so excited about our guest tonight. Um, he knows all about new-, new York City. He's the manager managing editor of the American Mind, a reporter and editor for the New York Post. He's an expert on all things New York and the NYPD. He's also the, office, uh, the author of the book, The Last Days of New York. Welcome, everybody. Seth Barron, how are you? I'm great. I'm great, guys. Thanks for having me on. It's a real pleasure.
0: Seth, now, do you really mean that, that you feel that New York is seeing its last days?
2: Well, look, the title is pretty grim. But the situation we're facing is pretty grim. And really what I mean by saying the last days, I mean, look, obviously New York is not going to turn off the lights and shut down and everybody's going to go home. But we're facing the last days of the ease and prosperity, the public safety that everybody came to expect and maybe we became a little complacent about over the, the 20 years before de Blasio came in. Uh, Crime was going down, tourism was up, uh, things were going in the right direction. And now we're headed in the wrong direction. Uh, And I don't see much in the future that's going to stop the fall. So that's the sense in which I mean the last days of New York. Uh, I, I think the change came under de Blasio and it's gonna accelerate possibly, and things are probably gonna get worse before they get better.
1: Hey, let me ask you a question. Is this uh, just incompetence on his part, uh, the mayor de Blasio, is or is he just doesn't know what he's doing, or is this a plan to, and if it's a plan, what what is the plan? That's a great question. Uh, look, on
2: one hand, de Blasio, does have a certain degree of incompetence, but I think we should be maybe thankful for that because that means they haven't been able to pursue their goals as rapidly and as effectively as they wanted. Look, when de Blasio came into office, he came in promising to end what he called the tale of two cities, and that's the haves and the have-nots, the people with a lot of money and the people who don't have a lot of money. Um, Naturally, New York City does have a lot of very rich people. But that's not a bug, that's a feature of the city. Uh, The fact that we have a lot of rich people means that they pay enormous amounts of taxes, far more than they, percentage-wise than they make. And that's what funds all the stuff that de Blasio and his crowd love about New York City. Uh, The schools are, you know, funded to an enormous degree. We have massive social services. Uh, you know, we have a pretty good police department, uh, if you know if they're allowed to do what they do. Uh, so this was the plan to impose equity in New York City. And Seth, we-
0: let, let me just interrupt you for one yeah. second. Since this is a you know police for, uh, for sort of a forum, I just wanted to start with the police stuff first Great. before we get into the schools and the, yeah, yeah, and the yeah. financing and all that stuff. And one of the things that's very simple to us—I did almost 27 years on the NYPD. Mark did 20. We know policing. And one of the things that we know is that Comstat and the blueprint and broken windows policing—we know that that works. And there's a blueprint to how to do it. He took the blueprint, ripped it up, and pissed on it. And and you know he has no respect at all for what the his predecessors did. And he took that blueprint and just you know, basically denied that it ever existed and he's just a progressive moron.
2: Well, from the very beginning, he has uh, pushed to destroy the fabric of public safety in New York City. One of the first things he did when he came in was to give up the appeal of a lawsuit to of an appeal of the court finding that ended stop question frisk that declared it was unconstitutional. First thing de Blasio did was give up that appeal admit all the guilt, roll over, and put the NYPD under a federal monitor. Then after Daniel Pantaleo, you know, was involved with the killing of Eric Garner or the death of Eric Garner in, in Staten Island, de Blasio made the crazy statement that uh, he worries that his own son, who's like half black, would suffer the same fate of Eric Garner. And this was like the most grotesque thing to say. Eric Garner was like a... Uh, you know, middle-aged career criminal, resisting arrest. And his son, Dante de Blasio, is a honors student. Obviously, he doesn't go around selling loose cigarettes. He doesn't, you know, resist arrest. So de Blasio saying this, he was basically telling the cops, like, look, I don't have your back. You might be killers, even though you protect my family day and night. Uh, de Blasio had a forum on public safety where he had Al Sharpton sitting uh, next to him, and on the other side was the police commissioner. And he let Al Sharpton just rip him up and burn him in front of everybody, and make it seem like Sharpton was, you know, up there with Bratton.
0: Right, right. Um,
2: over the last eight years, the city has been gutted. They have imposed the state imposed bail reform, which you know eliminates bail in most cases. They decriminalized all kinds of quality of life offenses. They got rid of qualified immunity. So here's the problem, is that they've taken away the whole toolkit. They've ripped up the blueprint, as you say. So I don't even know how they would restore. Like people say, oh, well, can't we just elect a better mayor? Not really. I don't see what difference would that make, because they've made it illegal to go after
0: criminals. Well, Seth, one thing, I don't know if you uh, saw this, but they just had a a state Supreme Court judge reverse the diaphragm law and say that it was unconstitutional. So there's one thing they got back. And also Letitia James, uh, the state attorney general, she tried to come up with an even more restrictive force policy against police in New York City, and it was voted down. So at least we had two victories in the last month. And I mean, we, I'm glad you brought up Cuomo, because Cuomo is not the innocent uh, uh, guy in this whole thing. He's as guilty and as bad as, uh, as Mayor de Blasio. Bail all reform, it. releasing cop killers. You know, he's, he's the architect of all of this. Decarceration, all of it.
1: 63% of the people don't want him to run again.
2: I mean, 63% of the people may want that, but he's
1: seen no. He don't, right. They don't want him to run again. No, it's I get crazy. it, but he's
2: got like 40 million dollars in his war chest, and it looks like he's he's set to go. Uh, you know, this is this is another major problem, but you're absolutely right. He he signed the bail reform bill. He signed the uh, discovery reform bill, which is almost the worst because what it does is it terrifies witnesses who know that if they come forward, all their information will be turned right over to the defense, like practically immediately. And since nobody's going to be in jail on bail, you know, it's, it has a chilling effect. Plus it overloads, I think this is intentional, it overloads the prosecutor's offices, especially in smaller counties. So they're on, they have to spend all their time processing uh, discovery.
0: Well, said, I, don't know, I don't know if you've read the recent article by Cyrus Vance where he claimed criminal justice reform is very complicated. No, it's not. It's called arrest, uh, prosecute, incarcerate. Very easy. Three things. But he doesn't want to do the prosecution, and he doesn't want to incarcerate. So, of course, that makes it very, very complicated.
1: Hey, Seth, I got to ask you. I want to go back to uh, what I was trying to. What, what do you think is the plan? If, if these people who are obviously, because uh, this is not just here in New York City, it's in all the, all the big cities around the country. Um, they seem to be dis- doing the same thing. So there's obviously a plan. What is their utopia? What, is, what do you think that their main goal is? If they could have every single thing they want, what would their world look like? How would our lives be?
2: Um, the police, local police departments have a very high uh, rating in terms of trust, and you know there's favorable ratings for them as an institution. Uh, the problem from the perspective of the left is that they don't have enough control over how the local police function. Uh, I think that's what's behind a lot of the defund the police talk. It's to destroy the police and replace it with um, maybe a federal style police force, or something else like some community-based police force. I, I don't know what it would be. It
1: seems as though the left, honestly, Can I stop here for one second, because yeah. you just mentioned a community-based police force, and I've never seen anything that worked better than what's uh, what's go- what happened right now in Washington Square Park. So basically, they're throwing these huge rave parties. Every single weekend. We're not talking about when I was a kid and you'd go to Washington Square Park and there'd be people there. But we're talking about thousands of people in this park, in this one area. And it's a residential neighborhood. They just happen to have a park right smack in the middle of it. A beautiful park. Okay. Now the community board gets together and they decide that this is a problem. So now what do you do? You go to your local police department and you ask them or tell them what you'd like to be done. We like a curfew, and then they go out and execute it, or try to execute it, and then they face resistance, and they come back, and the community board goes, "Okay, uh, are we gonna? See? <laughs> I don't know what to, what are we gonna do now?" Like that is community. But if they, if you had your way, and the crowd decided they weren't going to go with it, what do you do then? Well, it's really funny that you bring that up because de Blasio was asked about
2: that this week. And he said, oh, you know what? The police really has to work with the community and we can't be so, um, we don't wanna have very aggressive uh, force in there. We have to, but what he means by the community is not the people who live around Washington Square Park. He means the people who are coming to Washington Square Park from other parts of the city or outside the city and hanging out and causing all the disorder.
1: That's what he means by the community. It's a real abuse. The community is NYU, um, the woke. So you have the woke and their the, the, uh, indoctrines, the students there, because they have their housing there. The woke and their indoctrines can't sleep at night. And they, they're they fighting against- And they
0: the, woke up. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, it's true. They're um, fighting against themselves. Listen, I live right over there
2: and for years now, I wrote about this two, three years ago about how the drug dealers had taken over the entire uh, Northwest sector of the park. And I told people about this. I told the speaker of the city council, who's my councilman, and he was like, oh really, I didn't know about that. Everybody knows about it. Everybody knows that that became a total no-go zone. I went over and just sat in that area for half an hour just to observe, all the drug dealers were like, once I wasn't buying drugs, they were like, Well, what the hell are you doing here? Like they own the park. And now the entire park is gone that way. Um, yeah, it's look, it's really bad. And every time a cop, like, you know, tries to arrest somebody who's doing breaking the law, it turns into a I mean, I don't know if you saw, but these guys were beat on Pride Sunday, they were beating up an old hot dog set seller. And yelling at him that he should take down his American flag. This guy's from, like, an immigrant from Egypt. And they're like, take that down and put up our flag, like the pride flag. I mean, this is crazy stuff. He got, like, the crap beaten out of him.
1: You don't hear about this. Nobody cares. Well, we had the guy that uh, saved um, the lady. She was getting stabbed on the subway. Um, what was his name? Uh, Connor Con- Con- Boy, right? Uh, Sean Connor. Con- yeah,
0: Sean Connor Boy. Yeah.
1: Yeah. He he was just uh, going home from after after days of work, and he saw this guy look crazy, and the guy pulled out a knife and he started stabbing this woman. He jumped right in. He saved her life, and wouldn't you know it? The not the mayor didn't call. Uh, nobody sent him uh, uh, congratulations, a phone call. Uh, the governor, uh, the police he,
0: commission. It was like no one saw what he did. It's what? like they
1: just don't want to acknowledge it. Well, you know, like you were asking, well, what is the
2: plan? And, you know, if you listen to AOC and all these people, they believe, they say that what we have to do is address the root causes of crime, like Maya Wiley, all these people. So they seem to believe that the problem of crime is that people don't have enough social services. So that's what they want to do. They want to defund the police. And put, so I guess if you really believe that, then it's easy to solve the problem of crime and disorder. Just spend more money on social services. Well, what uh, it is is, is a plan really-
0: to—it's a plan to redistribute the wealth. And it's like that other thing that—that uh, that comprehensive basic income, another socialist idea. Like people that don't have any money, just pay them just to, to breathe the air. I mean, I mean I,
1: listen. I, I the truth is, I, I see a future where and I forget who actually wrote this, but he said that the idea that we all have to work is ridiculous. Why? If one person could come up with an invention that could feed and house everybody, why does everybody have to work? And I think that's the philosophy behind a lot of their thinking, is that we're, we're going towards a way uh, a time where Amazon is basically, they're going to pay you just to stay home. You know what I'm saying? We're going to go to automation where the, uh, you're not going to need even uh, – track the, uh, the the guys who load haul across the country. Though, those they're gonna drive themselves those things. So we're getting ready for a time where everybody's gonna sit at home. You know, if, when you talk about a plan, and you talk about um, there he goes. Look at how handsome he is, huh? <laughs> what do they call that kind of jacket? Is it a fox or something? A, no, it's just well, it's a camel toe, right? Did,
0: that's 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 a smoking cam, yeah, jacket. Camel
1: toe, yeah. Made a camel hair, right? I said camel toe, camel hair, bro, right? <laughs> it's a smoking it? jacket. Photo <laughs> oh, shoot. Bro. Remember, they used to have those smoking jackets. Let me go inside yeah, and I'll change. I, before we have a cigarette, I got to go change into my smoking jacket. <laughs> I'll be right back. <laughs> so, um. You know, with the congestion pricing that was supposed to come and now it got postponed, I had this envision, this idea that the idea is basically to uh, create residential zones and have them pay for their own security. And so, for example, let's say you made 42nd Street to 34th Street a commercial zone. So from 42nd Street to, let's say, 96th Street, Unless your Metro Card said that you either work or reside in that neighborhood, there's no reason why you need to get off the subway here. You're not going to get through the turnstile. You know what I'm saying? It's going to be like express, too, at night. <laughs> Just going. So they're going to have their century uh, cops. Some will be armed. Some won't. And the only people that will be using the NYPD will be uh, the people that need it the most right now anyway. Because if you look at the city, it's broken up like that anyway. I worked in the 2-6 squad. We had um, Columbia University up there. They had cameras everywhere. And then that connected to the yeshiva, which was in Washington Heights. So you had really like a 50, 60 block radius that was completely covered in video cameras. You know what I'm saying? They used to call us up and hand us complete cases, of burglaries and, and, and robberies with, with the, uh, the perp identified. And sometimes even bring them in. So I think that's where the goal, I think that's what their goal is. So to make people who can afford it pay for their own security.
0: Well, Well, it's like, you know, it's like the congestion pricing that, uh, thank God, didn't go through yet. It will eventually will go through. What their idea idea is, is to let people go on the subway for free and let people who live in the suburbs who have to drive in there, let them pay for these people jumping the turnstiles. That's their idea. Let the the affluent people that pay taxes and obey the law, let them pay for the people jumping the turnstile.
1: Well, thank God, Jersey jumped in because Jersey's like, "What are we paying uh, $15 to get into the city, whatever it is now?" Um, and then we're going to pay another $11 to get into the, a certain area. So, Jersey—that's that's the whole holdup right now. Otherwise, we'd be in—they'd be doing it.
2: Well, also, I mean, with the,
1: the lockdown, there wasn't enough traffic in mid. Yeah, yeah, that, that postponed Jersey. for sure. That set it back a, about a year, another year. But mm-hmm. still, Jersey. As a big gripe. And if it's not going to be Jersey, then Connecticut will step up and they'll have a big gripe. Like what, what are we paying? Uh, you know? Well, I have friends, I, I don't have a car,
2: but I have friends who live in Manhattan who do. And apparently like if they just, you know, I think you would have to pay just to, you know, just to find another parking spot to do alternate side of the street. Every time you move your car, they could charge you like, you know, ding you 15 bucks or something like that. Um, yeah. I, uh, there's definitely a move towards this kind of control of where people go and how people live. But this is what de Blasio said he wants. He said his, his ideal society would be one where the state, like the government controls every inch of real estate and they decide what it's used for, who lives there, how much it costs. You know, this is the vision. Uh,
1: uh, well, there you go. He, like yeah, I asked you for what the plan was and he said, because there's a rumor that, um, you know, this Rikers Island, um, selling it off and then smaller jails in every borough, but the, the I just heard this somewhere. I don't know if it's valid, but that the uh, the, uh, the, uh, the Blasio is part of some group that's buying up that property and they want to sell it, you know, create oceanfront property there with, uh, I mean, uh, um, whatever that is, the sound of, um, is that the ocean there? Yeah, oh, right?
0: Waterfront property there. Waterfront so, property,
1: yeah. and then use that. Wa- I mean, it's it's a brilliant idea, but um, <laughs> the fact that, uh, that that this is the plan right now to get them off that that island, so we can we can sell, make condos and uh, and beach houses, and and put restaurants and stuff like that. Well, I mean, I don't think that <laughs> that actually doesn't sound so bad. No, but I think the real
2: thing with uh, closing Rikers Island is. Rikers Island is huge, and you could have like as many prisoners as you wanted on there. Uh, but but you've been on there plenty of times. Yeah, but that building the um, the small prisons in the boroughs, the small jails in the boroughs, people the, the the neighborhood doesn't want them, so they've been forced to scale them down and scale them down until now. Jail capacity in New York City is going to be capped at thirty three hundred. Now that's incredibly. Optimistic about the future of crime in New York, but that's another part of the plan. It's to it's to handcuff future administrations, so it will be impossible to arrest too many people. So there really is some kind of insidious, crazy scheme going on, you know, to, to sort to codify chaos, to make it part,
1: make it the law that there will be. Just well, okay. what I think about. I think about um, when I hear the, the way that the idea of the, where they like to be police. They would like the community involved in arrest. So almost like in the Wild West, when somebody went to go get the sheriff. You know that there's a bad guy in the bar. He's just rolled into town, and then uh, everybody was behind it. And that's what they want. They don't want the police to go out there and actually um, patrol. And, um, you know, prevent crime or even be seen. They want to be able to come and go because you also have people that like, oh, I don't want them in my in my restaurant because he has a gun on him. Right. He's in uniform. He's a cop. Are you crazy? I mean, what what planet do you want? But they envision a world where when they need you, they're going to come and get you as a community with torches and be like, he's in the bar now. We saw him. We got to, you know, that's what they want you to do.
0: Well, you know, uh, you know what this is all about. I'll tell you, what, it's about decarceration, which is emptying the prisons, emptying the jails, and there's a concept called neighborhood corrections, which is absolutely ridiculous. And what that is is that you're supervised in your community by correction personnel, parole, uh, you know, other people that work for not just parole, probation other people that work in the corrections field, and then for the real serious ones, they have the electronic monitors, of which I found out when I was a cop, no one monitors. No one watches the electronic monitor. So when a guy goes out and shoots someone with an electronic monitor on, they could say, oh, he was outside. But it's not like someone was actually watching in real time to see where Bad Bart just went and shot somebody. You know what I mean? So it's it's a ridiculous system. You, you,
2: I mean, you must have seen yesterday who the new first deputy commissioner of corrections is.
0: Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Former de, inmate. Yeah.
2: Yeah. De Blasio put this guy, Stanley Richards, who is the head of the Fortune Society, which, you know, he's like one of these, uh, he served four or five years upstate for robbery. I assumed armed robbery. I don't know. Um, uh, and he does, you know, prisoner reentry and uh, job training and that sort of thing. And now he's the first deputy commissioner for the Department of Corrections. He's going to be in charge of training of officers and setting the policy. He's going to be in charge of the new borough-based jails and how those are going to be done. He has enormous power. Um, this is like, like somebody said, this is like putting the hen in charge of the hen house. It doesn't make any, any sense. It's so... It's so crazy and so perverse. I really think that de Blasio is just trolling New York City at this point. He's just like, look what I can do, and nobody can stop me.
0: You know, I used to teach college, and I used to ask kids that. You guys all want prisoners to re-enter society. How many of you would hire a guy if you owned a business? How many would hire a robber to work for you? And, you know, most of them, and it was 99% uh, black and Hispanic kids, most of them said I wouldn't. You know what I mean, but so, but let's appoint this guy to be a deputy commissioner.
2: It's interesting. It's 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 totally bizarre, but um, yeah. Look, the their idea. Uh, I mean, De Blasio's huge idea, and he he's been bringing it up every year, and always pretending like it's new, is this idea of the cure violence or crisis management and uh, having violence interrupters. And the idea idea of this is to hire like local people, mostly ex-gang members or like, I don't know, old ladies in the neighborhood, and they will go out there and stop violence before it starts.
1: Now, there's no evidence that any of this works that's the real problem. See, I, I have to disagree. I see. I think it could work, but nah, is,
0: No way. Let's can plan I just say that down now? Can I that, just say how working. it
1: could work, please? Yeah, go ahead. I have an idea. You ready? No. You <laughs> hire a bunch of people that are willing to take punches to the face. <laughs> and then when you put them, like, whenever this person who's off their meds uh, is going to go, you know, he's all he has to do is go tell somebody. Say, listen! I, I need to punch somebody in the face right now, and they'll call a violence interrupter in, and that guy will take the punch for that poor old lady, or the, the 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 unsuspecting person. Did you see the lady that got jumped from behind? The guy was following her down the block.
0: Yeah, a sex offender. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I'm telling you I think it could work, but you got to hire people that are willing to take you know blow punch punches to the face. Yeah, you're gonna have to find the right.
2: Definitely find the right personnel. Um, <laughs> But the thing is, they've done studies, you know, the Vera Institute or Ford Foundation, they've done these analyses where they're like, oh, well, we picked this catchment area and we removed the cops from this part of this, from this block for eight hours a day. And it's all these very, you know, local, highly supervised uh, experiments that even those had very minimal success. I mean, I think what it might do is push some of the crime to... Other name, other you know adjoining blocks.
0: Or- you know, Seth, Seth. I'm glad you brought up the point of there's no science behind it, and there's no statistics that show that it works. Because progressives always say, "Oh, we looked at the science. There is no science to this." So, but with the science there is science to criminal justice: arrest, prosecution, incarceration equals less crime. Well, but that's why they, they have to say.
1: That. That's why they have to use the word reimagining.
0: Yeah, yeah, there's exactly. No,
1: there's no s- stats on it, you know. It's it's a poor it's a poor idea, um, and there's no there's no science behind it. So what we have to do is we have to reimagine it. And of course, there's going to be a transition period, and of course, during that time, there's going to be a lot of collateral damage, a lot of lives that could have been saved, um, and the city's going to lose a ton of money. Look at what happened in Times Square with that ricochet bullet hit a West Point. A graduate, like what? What are we doing right now? What are we? That guy who had a gun that was running, you know, what? He walked into a crowd of six people. Okay, he just wanted to fire a round off. When you're walking down the street carrying a gun and you get into your mood and you're a little crazy, you just want. So he ran right through them, and I guess they had some words, and he turned around and fired.
0: You know, what, Seth? The whole reason that happens is because they're not letting cops enforce quality of life both shootings had to do with illegal vendors getting in beefs with each other who they shouldn't be out there period and now they're, they're getting in gunfights the first one where the guy shot four tourists he was shooting at his own brother I know. Yeah. like you can't make this shit up and then this one the idiot all also it was a, a dispute and de blasio's idea is, is oh i'm gonna just fill Times square with cops guess what you could put a hundred scarecrows in the field with corn and the crows figure out that they're not they're not real because they're not doing anything. And that's what the effect is of having cops just omnipresence and not doing not interacting. Nothing. They do nothing.
2: That's right. And you know, I mean, say what you will about stop question frisk. I mean, maybe it was overused, I don't know, but it did get a lot of guns off the streets. And whether and the other thing is is it um it, it, it got people so they didn't bother carrying their guns because they didn't want to get arrested for having one uh you know the new da that's coming into manhattan to replace vance alvin bragg he already said he does not believe that carrying an illegal gun should necessarily have a um a jail term associated with it so he's already signaled that he doesn't he he said now tell me if you think this makes any sense that he doesn't think that um, that violent felonies, except for rape and murder, should have a uh, a jail, a, like a jail or prison punishment. Associated, he's a with.
0: he's a moron, and he's a disciple of Letitia James. He was her uh, second in charge. No, no, he
2: was Schneiderman's uh, second. He was Schneiderman's uh, uh,
0: assistant. Who worked for uh, Letitia James? I thought.
2: No, Schneiderman was
1: before, Schneiderman
2: was the AG before,
1: before Letitia. Oh,
0: okay. Horrible idea.
1: Exactly. Joe Murray asked if uh, the, uh, the West Point cop in a uh, uh, graduate in Times Square was our Watkins moment. And w- w- what we talk about all the time on the show is the Brian Watkins oh. um, murder and how that kind of sort of collectively uh, joined the city. And that's how we got Giuliani in as mayor. So um, is that is it? I don't know. I think this is, I hate to say it, too, because I'm not a pessimist, man. You know, I'm not. That's not my personality. But I think there's a much worse moment that's coming over this summer. And there's going to be a question posed. Uh, what are you going to do about this to our two candidates? I'm assuming that uh, Slevo uh, got the Republican nomination. And then I'm assuming that Eric Adams is going to be our Democratic candidate unless they take it away from them with the scams they're pulling over there against their own, by the way, um, <laughs> they're going to, they're going to confront them. You know, they're going to want to know what are you going to do? And the first one that says uh, we're going to get rid of bail reform. I'm going to try to do that. And we're going to get rid of, uh, it, you know, we're going to let the cops loose again. The first one who says that is the, is the one that's going to be mayor.
0: Mark, let's go to a quick commercial and we'll be right back with these. Uh, Hold that thought. We'll be back in a second. Folks, if you're getting sick and tired of the Northeast, the high taxes, New York City crime, the sickening mayor, and probably another sickening one coming right after him, Carol Waters sells real estate down in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. She's a former New Yorker. She used to be a bartender at Fitzpatrick's Hotel in Midtown. Her husband, Rob Mayen, was on the NYPD. He rolled over to the FDNY. Together, they're a team selling real estate down in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, If you're looking even to get a vacation home or buy a condo or a home, give Carol Waters a call, 914-261-6681, or you can email her at carolwaterssellsmb at gmail.com. They're doing a hell of a job down there. We recommend them very highly. And there are realtors down in Murder Beach, South Carolina.
1: Hey, listen, uh, (laughs) I hope this never happens to you. I hope you don't get in trouble and need a lawyer. But if you do... You might want to call uh, Joe Murray. He's uh, he's a frequent guest on the show. He's been on plenty, plenty of times. He's a retired NYPD, and he's also an attorney. Um, attorney at law, Joseph W. Marty. Uh He's got a great business there. Go to uh, check out his uh, – put that in your phone. If I was you right now, I would put his phone number in your phone and his address. Take a picture of the screenshot right now. Always have that with you. You never know what's going to happen. So uh, I ha you know what? Listen, this is what I do, and this is the honest to God truth. I call Joe every single day. His office, I speak to his secretary, and the reason why I do that is just because I want to have his phone number come up as soon as it- <laughs> <laughs> as soon as I open my phone. He's at the top of my list. God forbid, <laughs> I don't want to have to look around for his number. <laughs> that's good advice yeah <laughs> I, call, I just say hello hey what's up hey, hey okay? and Joe
0: Joe Murray just gave us a $10 super chat so we love him even more
1: Joe and Murray we, says he, don't he, forget he, my dear friend Tom Kniff running for Manhattan DA on the Republican line uh, he's been getting out of traction, uh, particularly in the Upper West Side. So that's good. Yep.
0: I would love to see it, but it's it's a tough road for a Republican to win in this town. You know. Now
1: that you brought that up, Bill, what do you think? Do you think uh, Curtis Lewa has a shot?
0: No. Not <laughs> you. I'm
1: asking our guest.
0: <laughs> well, his Did name is Seth. You said, hey, Bill.
1: <laughs> oh, do I
2: think Curtis Lewa has yeah. a shot? I, I I agree. No, I don't. I think it's – um. Look, I like Curtis Sliwa. He's a bit of a character. He's a New York institution. People know who he is, but I don't think he's really considered mayor
1: material, and I just don't see it happening. Um, Remember, I said this. He's going to win.
0: Yeah.
1: Okay. Remember, I said it. I hope. I hope you're right. He's. He's. He's New York's Donald Trump man. Nobody thought he was going to win either. This guy's. Bill, Bill Ryan.
0: Bill Ryan. Thank you for that five dollar super chat. Another thing we want to segue into, and I know you mentioned this, it's chapter six of your book, Nowhere to Go. Look at what de Blasio's done with the homeless. Let's talk about that.
2: Well, uh, what's interesting about that is that he's more than doubled the budget for homeless services. Uh, But the homeless problem is about as bad as it's ever been, if not worse. Now, I mean, most of the people who are homeless are like, you know what they call the family homeless and these are single mothers with like kids who you know basically maybe their mother kicked them out eventually and they have nowhere to go so they're given you know that's where a lot of the money goes to shelter people like that uh the problem is that we have thousands of street homeless and these are people who you know we all know who they are they are beset with mental illness largely A lot of them have very serious mental illness and it's untreated. And while not every seriously mentally ill person is violent, um, a lot of street violence is committed by the seriously mentally
1: ill. Can I I jump in here for a second? Yeah. Yeah. Here's the problem with uh, these DATs and not putting through people through the system. Okay. And it starts with this. Every single time you make an arrest. That person is going to be asked at least five times during the arrest processing, how are you feeling? Are you okay? What medications are you on? And guess what happens? If you're schizophrenic and you don't have your medicine, uh, you might mention it one time during the five times, and you're going to go see a nurse throughout the way too uh, before you get, uh, you know, actually wound up in Rock- Rikers Island. So you're going to get your meds. And these people are not going through the system anymore. Nobody's asking them, when was the last time you took your meds? So you have all these people that are out there. They're not going through the system and they're not getting their meds. And that's why they're freaking out. Sounds right. I mean, also, the thing is, New York State
2: has a very robust law called Kendra's Law, like assisted outpatient treatment, where they can you know, use the power of the courts to require that people stay consistent with their treatment. Uh, that they you know take their medicine and, and go to therapy or whatever. And this has been proven to be a cost-effective method of getting people to comply with treatment. And it reduces uh, violence, it reduces all kinds of things, but it requires a certain degree of compulsion. And De Blasio and the other like radical civil libertarians don't want to force anyone to do anything. So if you listen to de Blasio, all, all they talk about is, oh, it takes hundreds of encounters to get someone to accept services. So well, what, the, what the hell kind of city is that? We just have people like rotting, lying in their own filth.
0: And Seth, and- what was his wife's qualifications to head the mental illness program for the whole city and with that Thrive New York uh, program, blow through a billion dollars? What were her qualifications for that?
2: I think she... Um, she's participated in a lot of like group consciousness sessions and she's probably been to therapy and she, she likes to talk about things and she likes therapy. Yeah. Look, the the Thrive program, the whole emphasis was on mental wellness, like helping your average New Yorker, you know, who feels nervous or anxious to deal with it, but that's not the problem. That's not the real problem in New York City. It's an easier problem to address because, frankly, who wants to address the problem of a raving schizophrenic who thinks he's God and is, like, eating his own filth on the streets? It's a
1: very stubborn problem. It's much easier to set as your goal. You know know what's funny is I didn't like the way they used to handle it before. And before it was, you know, uh, I don't know if you ever saw the movie with Will Smith and he's got his son and he becomes a Wall Street guy, a finance guy. But they have to stand in line every day to get their bed for the night. And that was a system we had over here. Okay, so to me, that kind of because they they really didn't want you getting comfortable anywhere. They wanted you to go find a friend or go find uh, some family to let you in and sleep. And Bluebird went as far as you know, giving you a one-way ticket to wherever you wanted to go. So
0: <laughs> send them to California. Send them to San I, I, I Francisco. Didn't, I didn't
1: like the way the way they did it back then either. But this is this is like you now. You're not even doing anything anything at all.
2: Absolutely. Um, and now there's this movement to provide housing first. Uh, this is a big movement on the left, and this is also. Uh, a route to direct so d- directly to to mass socialism. The idea being that not only is the city obligated to provide shelter, like a bed, uh, on a, you know nightly, but that they need to provide permanent housing to everyone.
0: And you know what they call that, Seth? They call it housing insecurity. And then when you have no money, it's called uh, financial insecurity. Like they invent this shit. Like how about you know maybe success, lack of success insecurity, you know, or not doing or working or you're a drug addict's insecurity. They don't want to blame it on the individual. They want to blame it on society. It's it's so pathetically ridiculous.
1: Yeah, and you know what's the sad part is that, you know, I hate New York City winters, but it's kind of sort of saves us in a way with encampments. By the time people get settled in because in New York, uh, with their encampments, it's time to break it up and figure something else out because it's getting freaking cold out here. Well, it Seth, what cool.
0: do you think you... When I saw that tent on 86th and Broadway in the mall and a, a, like a homeless couple living yeah. in it, I was like, yeah, they, was cannot, the they cannot let that happen. Because once, like, once you clothes let clothes one... Clothes? No, there was a couple that had like a pup tent on, in the mall on 86th and Broadway. And I was like, if they don't get them out of there, that's going to have they're going to have an encampment all over the malls in the entire city. And it will be Seattle or it'll be what's that place in uh in California where that's become the most like dangerous Venice, Venice, Beach. Venice Beach. Yeah. And that's what it will become. And it's like, where are the rights of the people who live there that work? And on the Upper West Side is the liberals. They deserve these politicians because they vote for them every yeah. single time.
1: You know what's funny too is that you're going to have other areas of the country popping up. Like, who the hell would ever think about Nashville? And now Nashville is like freaking the place to be. Yeah. Austin, Texas, the place to be. Why? You just want to go somewhere where you could have some fun. Um, and you know you're going to talk. About, you're going to talk about Broadway, finding another home. You know all these shows. They're going to they're going to start off being traveling shows. And then they're just going to be the only time they're going to travel back to New York for two weeks and make an exclusive engagement.
0: You know, Seth, Seth, someone wanted to ask from our live chat. Scott Wagner wanted to ask. I don't know why he cares, but what do you think de Blasio will do once he's no longer mayor?
2: That's a great question. Uh, I talk about that with some friends a lot. For a while, I thought maybe he would get like a gig as like an MSNBC commentator or even host. Um, but I don't know about that. I, I don't could use the personality for that. Now, I could see him taking, like becoming an assist, like a, a, a visit, like a profet, an adjunct professor at like NYU uh, School of Social Work or um, something like that. Or maybe becoming the uh, CEO of like a major nonprofit. You know, he did. Look, here's the thing he bought a lot of friends over the last few years, he gave billions of dollars. Billions he poured into the social service industrial complex in New York City, which is
1: huge. So he could go and like head up one of those groups. Uh, he's awkward though. He's awkward on every single appearance. He just he's not uh, he's not fluid.
0: <laughs> you know, in essence, COVID and the federal subsidies saved New York City because he was so far in the red. But now they got all this extra money from the feds. I've it looks always like he- said.
2: I've always said de Blasio was the luckiest mayor in New York City history. Listen to this, he expanded spending by triple the rate of inflation, by like $25 billion a year now, the budget is higher than when he came in. He's never had to budget in the sense that like, you have to choose between competing goods. He just spent money like water, just poured it into everything. And then he skated on his corruption charges, Uh, you know, Vance and the feds, and nobody followed up on any of that. He could have gone to jail based on some of the stuff that was going on. And then Biden, you know, takes the election and pours, gives him like, you know, billions of dollars to to solve all his problems. He is, he must have done something great in a former life (laughs) because he is just that's why I look at him now. He's so he's smug and happy. He's like a pig in clover. He can't believe how lucky he is. He's going to get out and leave a huge bag of shit for the next guy.
0: But so is Cuomo. Cuomo ran the state into the ground too, and he's getting bailed out by the feds too. And he made five million dollars writing a book using his staff well, while, he, while he's a, while he's governor and killed fifteen thousand people in nursing homes.
1: There's an article right uh, I read today about how uh, the, the media just basically helped Cuomo skate. Like he just, they just, uh, he hasn't said a word or a peep in like two months. I haven't heard a thing about him. And the thing just kind of sort of disappears because the media doesn't bring it up. You know, they like w- they just stopped. They just stopped. You got to see,
0: you got to see the live chat when he does those COVID presentations on Facebook, You would want to vomit when you see these people. Oh, governor, you're such a leader. And I always go in there and go, you're the most corrupt governor. Like, we hate you. You know, they go after me. I was like, he's horrendous. And you guys are like gushing over this Shadrul, you know? I don't
2: understand what's going on. Why the New York press, why? But look, I mean, here's the thing. We have a, we're a one-party state. They've driven out anyone who can't deal with it. And whoever's left is like part of their cult, and is happy to go along with it. Um, Cuomo, you're right. I mean, the rest—I mean, New York City was doing well the last, you know, ten years or whatever. The rest of the state is a basket case. That's totally Cuomo. Cool, uh, you know, I—I I don't know what to say uh, unless New York wait. Makes- hey, you
0: know, you know what a really serious problem is—is is a cop taking a free cup of coffee. As as Cuomo makes five million at work writing a book. But that cop that took that cup of coffee, hang that guy. Yeah.
2: (laughs) I mean, look at I mean the fact that the attorney, the recent attorney general election, when when Tish James came in, all that she and the other candidates, all they talked about was how they were gonna go after Trump. Now, whether or not the Trump organization had some, you know, fishing business like any business. Nobody looked at it before he became president. So if you're saying that I'm gonna go after like his the books just because we
1: don't like him politically, mm-hmm. I mean that's what you get in third world countries. Well, look at what you're doing to him though, because they I, I saw something today where they, they already anticipated they're not gonna go after him or his son or his son-in-law, but anybody who does business with him runs the risk of going every single person, his lawyer, uh, uh, his business guy, every single person, they're going to burn him or they're going to try to burn him. So you have to know right off the bat, if I go into business with this guy, they're coming after me.
2: Sounds right. I mean, they're going after his uh, former CFO, that guy Weisenberg. And what about what? Like the perks that the Trump organ, the corporate.
0: Nonsense. You know, it's just the same thing as the seven months of the riots. The FBI, for some reason, couldn't see that Antifa and Black Lives Matter were like terrorist organizations. No investigation. In fact, everyone on the left calls those things peaceful demonstrations. The only people that call them riots are the people on on the right. Yeah. And, and yeah. real peaceful demonstrators don't do billions of dollars in damages.
1: Right. Can you, can you imagine the negotiations that were going down just to get this guy to be able to walk in on his own with his lawyer at six o'clock in the morning? They, this whole thing was planned out because, you know, otherwise they would have just, they would have just sent in the FBI the way I'm they did. I'm surprised they didn't. They did that with everybody else. He must—he must have been—he's—he's got to be like a decent guy and have connections. And say, listen, this is when it's gonna happen, uh, you know. And then they go. Then they start to go. You come in, and then you got to do the perp walk. But uh, we'll make it quick. Like it's—it's—it's it's, it's so funny. Like <laughs> it's. Amazing. I don't
0: know how the FBI was asleep during all those riots. They didn't take a single case on Antifa. There's no cases on Black Lives Matter. There's no, But but January 6th, let's mobilize the entire criminal justice system for a one-day event. Look, I think it was horrendous what they did too. But you know something? They put the National Guard there for months now. They wouldn't use the National Guard to protect the citizenry. But they're, they're shiny little asses, these politicians. One day of potential violence, let's put the National Guard there for three months. Well, they, look,
2: at, look at the – um, uh, they arrested hundreds of people in, in New York City last summer for riot and looting and uh, Vance and Darcell Clark just dropped all the
0: charges. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. You know, and no one, no one even batted an eye about that.
1: Yeah. But you know, what's funny to so like, okay, so what are you doing with your time? I ha- we're paying you to be a lawyer for the city and you're not handling any cases. So what is it that you do? How, how big is your? Do you really need this big staff right now when you're not handling yeah. cases anymore? Hey, Alvin Bragg, the new the guy who's going to be the new DA, he
2: says he wants to defund his own office. He said he wants to like cut back the, the scope of prosecutions. He wants to spend more money on you know uh, community justice initiatives and stuff like that. So
1: yeah, it makes sense if you're not if you're not catching as many cases, you're not prosecuting any cases. And what do you need? I don't even know how many they have, 150, 250 ADAs in the city. What do you need them for? It's a good question. I think he would agree. It's amazing. <laughs> you know what's going to happen in five years? They're going to be looking for prosecutors.
0: <laughs> Angela Ang, thank you so much for the 999 Super Chat. This is uh, Seth Barron. He's one of very few journalists who is actually from the right part of the uh, – Political thought. I don't know how he goes to community council meetings down in the sixth precinct. He must wear a football helmet and and other and other body armor to go to those things. I can imagine if you get up and speak, people just must boo the shit out of you at those meetings.
2: Well, you know, I don't really speak, but I I do ask questions from time to time, and uh, I'm I'm not like I'm not a big I, I don't have a lot of friends in the New York City press corps. Let's put it that way.
0: Well, the New York City press corps, they're all you know, complicit with this horse shit. You know, they all – I mean, the New York well, Times, when I read the an article in the Times, I swear to God it sounds to me like an op-ed. No matter what article I read, the guy's opinion is five times in the first paragraph. Well, I was like, how is this okay? You know? you know, Bill
1: brings up an interesting point. I mean, what is it like to uh, want to be a journalist right now? Because the, the whole job has changed. You're not really uh, doing any investigating at all. Basically, what you're doing is you're going to try to create a story that fits in whatever. Uh, what's the, What are we doing now? Is this the narrative? Okay, let me go out and fi- uh, figure out how we're going to fit this into a narrative. Yeah, that's right. And if you
2: listen to uh, the way, uh, like anytime there's like some, say, the scuffles in Washington Square Park. I always tune in to hear what people are asking the mayor, and it's always, um, you know, uh, the police pepper sprayed someone, uh, uh, why would you allow this to happen, what are you going to do? Are you going to, uh, you know, see that the officer faces consequences for this? That's the, the angle that they always take. Uh, there's never a sense like, okay, well, when are you going to like shut down the disorder, or like. Uh, why isn't the Cure Violence program up and running yet? Why haven't you, this is the questions they ask, why haven't you hired enough Cure Violence people yet? The assumption is always that, yes, de Blasio is right, he just hasn't pushed hard enough to get the progressive stuff done that we we all know he needs to do. So, yeah, uh, if you try to take a more critical perspective You know, I don't even consider myself like necessarily like hard right wing or whatever, but just like, you know, common sense.
0: You know something, Seth, there is no common sense anymore. I think these people are out of their mind. I really think they're crazy. You know, this whole woke thing, cancel culture. Let's reinvent history. Wait a minute. History happened. How do you reinvent it? things that they that disturb them from history they want to erase it it's, it's it's crazy it's just nuts you know
2: yeah or look at you know you've got people like AOC basically the most powerful politician around saying that the pro, that people shouldn't pay so much attention to homicide statistics and that the reason there's so much crime is because we built so many jails
0: what a moron she's just a moron total moron
2: uh, it, it, it well, seemed, I mean, if
1: you have to search for an excuse you know, uh, to, to you've got somebody that's a, a lot of that happens now when you when you're talking to somebody and they get like you said, you ask questions, you go to your meetings, you ask questions. Now you put them in a corner. So, for example, today they asked Nancy Pelosi, do you agree with uh, the Omar one on her um, you know latest statement on Israel? And she was like, well, you know, let's save that question for the end, or let's not answer that question. I don't want to talk about that now. Let's focus on this. And it would take a whole core group of reporters, and every single one would have to ask the same exact question just to get her to freaking answer. And she probably wouldn't. She would walk off. Um, Yeah, that's right.
2: Uh, And de Blasio does the same sort of thing. Uh, So- Look, every time I've I've asked De Blasio something, he's always like, "Well, I appreciate the ideological
0: tenor of your question." What a, what a jackass! <laughs> Can but you answer no. it though? That's that's no, the point. no, no. no.
1: That,
0: that's <laughs> Give something me an else. answer.
1: And you know they they don't they don't like she called it hysteria. The crime yeah. in New York.
0: You know I always like to say to people that say hysteria. Have you ever had a gun stuck into your face and have the guy behind that gun say to you, "Give me everything you have, or I'm going to shoot you"? Have you ever had that happen to you? I don't want to hear you use that word hysteria unless you've had that happen to you. you know, and most people, is, most people that have lived in New York for a long time have had that happen to them.
1: I mean, other than her, like uh, who else is in her family's here? Because I know that they made a big deal about her grandmother in Puerto Rico and how uh, you know her apartment's a wreck. But I mean, does she have anybody else here? Because it's easy to be in Washington most of the time, and you, you don't even have anybody else here right now. You might be representing your little district, but if you don't have family here that you have to worry about, and you're in Washington most of the time, what do you give a shit? Well, that's right. Uh, I think her mother
2: lives up in Westchester.
0: Yeah, and you're, she's from Yorktown. She's not from yeah, the Bronx. She's not she's from, from the- She's from an affluent area. She's north of me. She lives in Yorktown. This
2: is another really good point. All of these people, these these apostles of despair and chaos, like, you know, the young people who say, oh, we should defund the police. Most of them, like, if you're not from here, if you come here, if you don't have, like, elderly parents, if you don't have children, if you don't have nieces and nephews – and your whole vision of New York City is like just a playground for people and bohemians and people partying in the park. Well, then you're going to have this like warped view of what public safety means. Yeah. Well, it's important for like, you know, New York always was a place for people to raise families and have
1: jobs. It's not like just a place for young people to party. Tom, Tom Cuzinali calls him limousine liberals. That's a good one, Tom.
0: Oh, they, there was the old expression that would say the definition of a conservative is a liberal that just got mugged.
1: Yeah, well, sure yeah. Heard that one, mean, you if know? you don't have anybody to worry about, what do you care about what's going on in, in, in your particular? Uh... Well, I, there was another point I wanted to bring up. Now I just Well,
0: Mark, we are at uh, 58 minutes. So I mm-hmm. think we need to uh, start saying our goodbyes. Oh. Well,
1: why don't we thank everybody who um, tuned in tonight? Austin Spriggs, 12 step woman, MC Audio uh lieutenant Boxing. pranzo
0: the harlem raiders scott wagner thank you so much all you guys that gave us Angela ang super chat people of course the great attorney joe murray hit us up with two 999 super chats uh lieutenant pranzo Diane. Um, D- we have you know we got so many fans that are keep coming back and these shows are getting unbelievable uh, our website is almost done we uh, have our Patreon if you want to join. And anyone that's not subscribed to us on YouTube, please um, hit that button, subscribe, give us a thumbs up. We're pushing 4,000 subscribers. We're at 38-something now. We need more subscribers. We need you housewives that are sitting home eating one of those entremet cakes with the uh, almonds on it with your coffee. Join us. <laughs> Penny,
1: Penny Sue, Black Rose 11, Diane B., Also, too, we have a Patreon. If you really, really enjoy the show and you want to help out and you want to support us, uh, please check out our Patreon. Uh, Bill and I put up exclusive content. Um, You help us out with the production of the show, help it keep it moving on. There's a lot of big things happening, like Bill mentioned, the website that's coming up. We're gonna have a merch page, a resource. My book. book. Don't don't forget my (laughs) book. I'll put your book. -book. Put
0: your book on the uh, on the screen right now.
1: Um, Listen. You, I see a lot of people on the, on the uh, chat here saying what a great guest tonight. So Seth Barron has a book. It's called The Last Days of New York. And uh, as you can see, he has uh, an opinion and he knows the real deal. Um, he's not pulling any punches. And uh, I'm going to pick up the book. I recommend you do as well. Seth, we're, we're, on Amazon.com, you can yeah. pick up the book. just put in The Last Days of New York. I looked it up. I put an order in. Seth Barron. Nice. Uh,
0: and it's a uh, it's an easy read. I st- I didn't get the chance to read the whole thing. I started to read it. Um, we have so many guests, you know. Sometimes I do four shows a week, and yeah. when people have a book, I you know I just can't read every single book. But I try, you know. If I don't read it before the show, I'll try to read it afterwards. But I, you say I, easy I read, pretty you much read? I pretty much agree with every damn thing you say. So no. it's almost like yeah, uh,
1: yeah. <laughs> I wrote it to be a fun read. Yeah, no, it's, it's, an easy it's an easy read. you mean the letters are big? They use the big
0: letters. <laughs> he uses small words and big letters. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Seth, <laughs> you know you have to come back another time. We'd love to have you back on. Oh,
2: that'd be great. That'd and be great.
0: Uh, you know, it's good to have some like-minded people that live in New York City. And it's just it's just crazy who they keep electing. It's just nuts. You know, it's just it just doesn't. Uh, look, in in a couple of years, I think I'm moving down to. Uh, to Florida to hey, run DeSantis land, you know
1: who uh, who won the Manhattan uh, or is in the lead in the Manhattan uh, DA primary? Alvin Bragg. Uh, uh, so happened-
0: he's the de- he's going to be the Democratic uh, representative. What
1: happened
2: to Crowley?
0: She only got four percent.
2: Crowley, yeah, she didn't do well at all.
0: No, only got four percent. And yeah. the the other one uh, that had a lot of money behind her, she came in second, but or not he by that. Bernstein. Yeah, it wasn't that much though, right?
2: She can she got like 30%, he got like 34%.
0: But is it the race over or with this uh, No,
2: this is different. This is a state race, so it's over. There's no oh, okay. there's no um there's no
1: uh, ranked choice.
0: Yeah, that that's another crazy thing that ranked choice uh, thing is really nuts, you know. I don't even know what I didn't know what the hell it is. Then you pick you pick the first candidate, second, third, fourth and fifth. And then they somehow tally. It's it's nuts. It's just crazy. Yeah,
1: but I think I think the, the what they do is most people they assume are going to go in there and just pick one candidate, and that right. screws you up. If you're the person that just goes in there and doesn't follow the rank thing, so what you have to do is the person that you think might come in second, you got to put them fifth. <laughs> That's how you use it. You put your guy first, and the person that you assume might come in second, you put him fifth.
0: Thank you. Hey, we just had duty Ron hit us with a $10 super jet and Joe Murray, 20 bu- 20 more bucks. Tom Kniff from Manhattan, DA. Hey, we're rooting for him. We're rooting for anyone that, uh, is pro law enforcement, anti-defund the police and pro incarceration, not decarceration. You know, I'm with so, you. Yeah.
1: Well, uh, I think we should wrap it up here, Bill. Uh, what do you think? Uh,
0: yeah, you know, I want to say good night. And uh, uh, Seth, thank you so much for coming on. And we'll be in touch. I got your number. And uh, stay out of Washington Square Park.
1: I'll try. I'll try. <laughs> thank you guys so much for tuning in. Don't forget uh, the last days of New York. Check if you want to get get a copy. Go to Amazon.com. And don't forget to uh, to check out. Look forward to our website and check out our Patreon. On behalf of Police Off the Cuff, I just want to say thank you so much for tuning in.
0: Good night, everybody.